Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back, Shalloners. All right, let's chill out. Ah, let's take some deep breaths. Let's relax our shoulders. Work that tension out of the jaw. Let our eyes get nice and heavy. Lay down someplace comfy, someplace soft, on a beanbag chair, a big stomach of a large seal or other land mammal. And really just get ready to receive the message. Just breathe in through our nose and out through our mouth. One more time, holding it a little longer. In through our nose and out through our mouth. So this week, the theme is going to be, it's my life. And that's going to come into play when we're talking with some people about their parents, talking with some girls about fuckboys who are kind of trying to pull them into their lives, and just talking about careers as well. We always have to remember that, like, we are on our own individual path. And other people might think they know the best path for us, and they might mean well. But we always have to remember to come back to that authenticity. And that really does take time to figure out what do we want? What do we want out of a dating situation? What do we want out of a job? What do we want out of a dynamic with our parents? What do we want out of life? These are the big questions, and you're probably not going to answer it in the course of a podcast, but just always keep that in the foreground. So let's get into it. This question comes from Sophia. She said, I went on a few dates with this guy a few years ago. I wasn't physically attracted to him when we first met, but I really liked who we met. Things got better, but I don't feel sexually attracted to him still. He is, though, everything that I want. Same religion, but not too religious. Educated. Good job. Good head on his shoulders. Multilingual, even. I'm attracted to tall, slim guys, and, well, he's overweight. He ended up getting married and divorced a month ago, and we reconnected. He's contacted me and wants to get into a serious relationship, which is what I want, but I'm just not sure if it's with him. Should I pursue this? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so long story short, no. Don't pursue anything with this guy, and here's why. For one, you cannot create physical attraction. I've been there, and you can't date good on paper. They have to be good IRL as well, and that means chemistry. And if you don't have it, you never will. And it's true that long-term relationships do see a dimming of the spark, but the key word there is dimming, as in there was once a spark to begin with. And if you never had it, you can't get back there. You can't get back to someplace you've never been. You know what I mean? Once we get the ick, then we get mean, and it's the natural shift, and it's terrible on everyone involved. Obviously bad on him because he'll have absolutely no idea what he did wrong and you're going to be hurting because you aren't listening to your intuition and that's telling you that this isn't a match. So you're going to feel guilty. So no, it's a no-go. He's perfect. Okay, that's great. But maybe he's perfect for someone else. And number two, I don't think he's perfect actually. Divorced a month ago? A month? That's way too fast to be in a new relationship. He just wants a wife replacement and probably doesn't really care who it is. He just can't be alone. To say that you want a serious relationship after being divorced a month is like, I mean, you just, yeah, you can't be alone. That's a huge, huge, huge red flag. And a lot of times, guys, when they do this, when they're fresh out of a relationship, they do what I call, you guys have heard me talk about this, the relationship equivalency exam. They want to go straight from like level 10 to level 10. They don't want to end a relationship at level 10 and then start over at one with somebody new. They want to go straight to that Chinese food and sweatpants phase. And that 
screws you out of a lot of courtship and getting to know someone. And it always ends with the guy getting spooked. Like he's basically a child playing grown up. And then he's like, oh, my, oh, oh my God. Like he'll wake up in the middle of the night and look at you and be like, you're not my wife. Who are you? And then they ghost, which is awful. So that sounds like torture. And imagine, even if he didn't get spooked and ghost, imagine being stuck with an emotionally needy man who you're not even attracted to. So let this one go. Okay, yeah, he checks some boxes, but if he doesn't check the key boxes of emotionally healthy enough to date and I actually wanna have sex with him, then no other boxes actually matter. Next up, we have Josephine, and she's got a question about friends with benefits. She said, I've been talking with this guy for a few weeks now, and at the beginning, we were on the same page just being friends with benefits, or I thought we were. But we've been talking every day, and he wants to take me out on dates, and I think he likes to do all the things as if we're in a relationship, but I'm scared I'm going to get attached. He knows this because I told him I don't feel like this is going to be good for us knowing we're just in it for sex, but I am very attracted to him, and in many ways... I think he could be a good boyfriend, but I'm also afraid I'm going to get hurt if this continues. Is this kind of behavior, going out on dates and talking all the time, normal for friends with benefits? Uh, hmm. This is a good question. I don't really believe in normal versus not normal. I try to focus on healthy versus unhealthy. And you're right. Going on dates with someone who is only out for sex doesn't sound emotionally healthy because it sounds confusing. It's like I'm being called into the office to work but I'm not getting a paycheck, but they want to give me a title, but they won't give me a schedule. It's like, what? I don't care if that's normal or not normal. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't feel healthy to me. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to recognize that as an unhealthy, confusing, probably manipulative situation. And I'm going to move on from it. I talk to girls in friends with benefit situations all the time. And usually if you're reaching out to me and submitting a question to me, it's because things aren't going well. You know, very rarely do people submit a question. It's like, I'm super happy. Just wanted to let you know. Like it's because it's things have gone wrong. But the thread here is with girls who are friends with benefits, they have become passengers in their own lives. They didn't speak up for themselves. They didn't put up boundaries. They didn't even bother to figure out what their boundaries are. And they totally ignored their own feelings and their intuition. And most especially, they ignored the writing on the wall. With your case, it's hard to see what the writing is. I get it. From my point of view, he's doing what so many friends with benefit guys do. They use a girl as a surrogate girlfriend. Boys like companionship just as much as anyone else. In fact, they kind of like companionship more. That's why they don't do very well with long-distance relationships. They're too physically reliant on, like, touch and seeing you and so where's my woman and she's next to me on the couch and she's making me a Cinnabon, you know? They have to have that, like, constant presence. We have to have an emotional presence. He's calling. He's texting. He's FaceTiming me. I know I'm in his mind, if not his bed. So, boys can tend to slot us into that surrogate girlfriend situation. But remember, what we permit, we promote. So I think you should avoid the mistake of a lot of other girls and take the wheel. Call his ass out about what's going on. It doesn't have to be bitchy and psychotic, just psychotic, excuse me, just straight up and alpha and confident. This is the script. Look, if you want to take me on dates, that means we're dating. That means the 11 p.m. you up texts are out the window. You're meeting the friends, the family. You're the one I call when I have a bad day and vice versa. We're committed. If that's not what you're into, that's fine, but I'm not about to be someone's surrogate girlfriend or emotional fidget spinner. If he balks or calls you crazy or whatever, that is the writing on the wall, right? He's trying to gaslight you to keep you in his pocket to use you how he wants to. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely don't continue a friends with benefits situation because we are just plain old hardwired to get attached. It's science and it sucks. Very few of us actually want 
real, true, plain, no strings attached sex for very long. Who wants that instead of a relationship? You know what I mean? I mean, if nothing else, the chemistry fades out real fast if you're not like talking and stoking the fires of that chemistry. And if you won't find that in a happy relationship, if you're stuck in the wrong relationship, you know what I mean? But maybe he realized, okay, I do like this girl. Like I like, like her. If he does, he will have no problem with your statement. He'll be delighted that you're on the same page. I like to call someone's bluff. And if they run good, they were going to leave anyway. And I'd rather walk in the light of the truth instead of wasting my time on a time waster. Next up, we've got Rebecca. She titled her email, Sex Too Soon. I'm not sure if he's a fuckboy or, or if I'm an aloof whore or both. So I'm like, yes, I can't wait to read this. She said, I slept with this guy on the second date. He said he wanted a girlfriend, but I didn't think he was boyfriend material. I picked up on small lies. Also, we had an awkward first time jackhammer morning sex. I even had to stop halfway through because I was uncomfortable, but we restarted, so whatever. He asked to see me again, but I said I'm busy. And now he's being icy. He still texts me, but it's minimal. I told him before that I had other dates this week because he asked. So maybe he's got a bruised ego and stopping the sex and not seeing him and seeing my other dates all added up to him sort of trying to ghost out. He even asked how many dates went, but he hasn't asked me out again. I also said in a conversation, if we meet again, and he asked what I meant by if. Have I just played this completely wrong? What am I doing? Okay. So I'm a big believer in logging data points. And the key is to recognize what is fact versus assumption. Okay. So facts. He's bad at sex, right? He lies. He's controlling, aka asking you about your other dates like it's any of his fucking business. And he's fickle. Assumptions. He's magical and amazing and oh my god, I need to get him back. He wants to have a girlfriend. Do you do you know how easy it is to say you want to have a girlfriend? Hey, Shalloners, I'm Shallon. I want to have a girlfriend. Look, it was just that easy. I simply just said it. I didn't have to mean it. That's how lying goes. You had two dates with this dude, right? So maybe six aggregate hours. Anyone can be nice and charming and curate the best version of themselves for six hours. Anyone. So the data points you're talking, you're taking as fact are maybe not fact. Maybe those jokes are the same jokes he tells on every date. Maybe the stories where he looks smart and ambitious and boyfriend material. Maybe they are too. Don't tell yourself it's a fact that he was sweet when it's actually, it's a fact that he was able to present as sweet for six hours. There's a big, big difference. Therefore, I kind of think you dodged a bullet. Getting him back means what even? Getting what back? Do you want back the facts? Bad sex, controlling, small lies? No. Or do you want back the assumptions? None of this has to do with you sleeping with him too soon. Leavers are leavers, fuckboys are fuckboys, no matter how hard we play it, no matter how long we hold out. And true, maybe you were poking at his ego a little bit, you know, saying, if we see each other again, blah, blah, blah. But men are hunters and they like a chase. That's something I've realized, like, pretty hardcore living in Montana now. Like, dudes love to hunt, and they don't just mean elk. They want to hunt women, too. And so you got to give him a bit of a chase. And if he gives up and freaks out because you're seeing other people, which, by the way, he asked about like an idiot, then either he's not fit to hunt, he doesn't think he should have to hunt you, so he's like this beta male that thinks everything should be served up to him, or he doesn't think that you have the value to be hunted by other people. Anyway, slice it. That's not something you need to be a part of. So let Mr. Jackhammer go and speak to him no further unless he comes correct into your life. I mean, in all ways. You truly are too good for him and being an aloof whore is never a bad thing. Up next, Annabella has a question about career. She said, 
I'm 30 years old. I don't have experience working in an office setting. I do have an associate's in January 23, which I know really isn't much. I write on my resume, but I still don't get calls back for more interviews. I regret not making my career in my 20s more of a priority, and now I have no clue how to get a decent job. I feel that like in my 30s, it's not really going to be an option to go back to school. I need a good job now, not four years from now. I come from a low education family, and I feel like they really don't know how to advise me either. Any ideas on what I can do now? All right. So my question, I have a question for your question. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You're talking about jobs. I'm asking about careers. What is your career path? What do you want to be when you grow up? If all you're looking for is a job, number one, you're aiming too low. And number two, you're setting yourself up for future chaos because jobs aren't a path. They're just a means to a paycheck, which, yeah, of course you want. We all want a paycheck. We work to make a living. But what you really want is a stable path. You want growth. And you want the very tippy top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like, it looks like a pyramid, like the food pyramid. And on the bottom, it's stuff like food, shelter, you know, heat, stuff like that. Then it's social inclusion needs, which I talk about all the time. We're tribe animals. We're we're group people. And then at the very, very top, once you've got all those other needs met, it's self-actualization. And that means I am doing what I was put on this earth to do. Me, in this job that I do as a YouTuber and a podcast or whatever, I feel self-actualized. And so when the going gets tough, and believe me, it does, I at least know that I am on the path that is fulfilling to me. At least it's fulfilling for now, you know, and self-actualization in that perfect path, it can change as you grow and you learn more about yourself and more about the world and you have more data. It's like, okay, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was eight. Now that I'm 19, I kind of more lean to math and engineering. Great. Log the data points. So figure out what it is you truly want and get on that path. Just get on the path. It won't be a six-figure job right out of the gate, no. And you might have to find a few other jobs while you pursue your actual career. When I moved to New York, I was an unpaid intern at Self Magazine Monday through Friday, and I was a waitress six days a week at night. It was not fun, but it kind of was. I felt so fulfilled. I remember that day. I remember the day. When I walked out of Condé Nast, and it was like something out of a movie, I wanted to like toff my hat in the air like Mary Tyler Moore, because I'd gotten this internship, this unpaid internship. I was like 24. I also wasn't 18. I was the oldest intern by a lot. And I was, I will never forget that feeling because I thought, now I'm on the path. I've started. And nothing is going to get me off of it. Nothing. Not a boyfriend, not a few bad breaks, not a layoff. I will never give this up until I say I'm giving this up. And so I was willing to be a waitress six days a week. I was willing to scrape by and be the first one in, last one out at the internship. And I only, because I hit it so hard, I was only an intern for about, I don't know, six months. And then I got a job as an editor at FHM. Like, it paid off. So my point is, don't focus on just, I need a paycheck, I need a dollar amount, because that you are setting yourself up for failure. Because like I said, jobs are going to come and go and jobs are fickle, but the career is what you want to build. You want to build that foundation. So as scary as it is, finding that path is what is going to anchor you. And you don't necessarily need college. You just need to know yourself and what you want. Also, I mean, can you just like pretend you went to college? I don't know. I've hired a lot of people. I've never like checked that they went to college. I wouldn't even know how. Maybe the goal here, maybe the takeaway here is you want to work for Shallon because she is a lazy, dumb boss who does no due diligence. Anyway, at some point, 
you're going to hit the point that I did, where it just became so exhausting to keep running away from your dreams that it's easier to just go after them. You got this. Up next, we have Kiki. She said, I'm 22 and I live at home and it's just my mom and I and I'm having a hard time not getting resentful because she just doesn't let me be me. She wants me to follow her ideals and she tries to change who I am. Look, I work in a dead-end boring job and I've just realized my soul's purpose here on earth and I'm preparing to change my life to follow my passion. My intuition really is guiding me, but I need help preparing to talk with my mom because I know she's going to try to stop me. How do I tell her I'm risking it all and changing careers? How do I hold my boundaries once she starts crying and yelling? Whoa. I feel like we've been talking a lot about parents lately and I think part of it's because a lot of us were quarantined with our parents or we were worried about our parents or they were worried about us and so it's it was kicking up a lot of existential stuff and really bringing back to life a lot of family patterns that maybe we had been trying to leave behind or had escaped or weren't even aware of until holy shit I'm locked in a house with them. The thing is parents want us to be safe. And this manifests in a variety of ways from marry this boy I picked out for you to lose weight to stay in that dead end job. It all circles back to lowered risk. That's how they're hardwired as parents. Keep the baby alive. But, like, we are alive, so, okay. We want to thrive, not just be alive, and therein lies the tension. So what I would go through, what I, I'm sorry, what I would do is not talk to her about this until you have a plan. Not just a vague, then I'm going to do this, like an actual plan. I've downloaded the applications for vet school. I talked to the loan officer about how to pay for it. I looked up apartments close to the school and mapped out a monthly budget. If you want to be respected like an adult... You got to plan like an adult, because if not, all she's going to hear is blah, 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 vague dreams, et cetera, et cetera. I wish I hope something, something, mom, you're going to have to bail me out eventually. That's what she's going to hear. And that's not your intention. So you don't want to let her hear that. Facts and figures counteract parental control. Financial freedom is the only freedom. So make that your goal and make conveying that your goal to her. Try to come up with a list of her potential arguments against this and have concrete logic or plans to counter it. Not just, it's my life. I mean, obviously it is, and I'm proud of you for the soul awakening. But again, moms want safety, and the beaten path offers that. So use this time to reach out to new people who have experience in your new career. Try to find a mentor. Talk with friends who've just branched out from parental expectations. What you're doing is scary. It's going against the grain. And it's really important to have a tribe who can support you in this and who gets that process. Remember, though, anything worth doing, from learning how to drive to having a baby to buying a house, is scary. Really scary. And that's why it has value. Don't let that fear stop you. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Chalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.